Ghost, Ghost, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is a great film. As is A Ghost Story, both of which I've watched within the past week. Um, for Spook's sake. And, uh, I don't know, a ghost, a ghost story is about, you know, life and, and death and love and what it means to end and what's really important and what happens to us after we die. But on the other hand, Ghostbusters features a blown up State Puff Marshmallow Man who explodes and Bill Murray fights ghosts. So, you know... It really depends on what mood you're in, but I'd say they're really good back-to-back reach. Um, so yeah, there's an aside for what movies I've been watching. Last night was weird. Oh yeah, by the way, this is the West Noise. Um, episode 3. It's getting real. So last night was strange because I got back from class, as I usually do, and I sat on the couch to scroll on Instagram and get my fix of dopamine, and I... I found the lead singer of Sigaro's Yonzi's page had an announcement that he was going to be playing a art reception in Detroit. And so I immediately hopped up from my couch and started making some calls and pulling some strings. And I ended up going. And this was about two hours before the event started. First come, first serve. Um, free, I had hoped. So I went with my friend Eric, and um, we drove down to Detroit. And basically, I found out that the the exhibit is this suburban house that was turned into um, basically a mirror house because ev- it's entirely made of mirrors. So it was kind of carnivalish, but um, I didn't belong there. I was underdressed, and so. Eric and I walk in, and there's hors d'oeuvres being served, and there's this fancy cheese palette, and the best grapes I've ever had, and there's pies on a stick, and cups of chips with with little glass plates of ranch and salsa, and um, this pate with gingerbread cookies. It was just not the place that I should be, and everyone was dressed to the nines, and they were having their fanciful talks and so we went through the exhibit and basically it's it's the the house is just sitting on a bunch of rocks and it was exactly what you expected to be it was just a house of mirrors it was pretty cool and there were a couple light like holes in the in the ceiling that had specific light coming through because uh this was inside of an abandoned bank in detroit so there was no natural light at all because the windows were completely blacked out. And yeah, it was pretty cool. Got some nice pictures. And then it was like, okay, where's Yonzi at? Because they were playing Sigarose's music the whole time, but he wasn't singing. So then we just waited around for about an hour and then Homie came out on the balcony and uh, kind of forgot where I was for about an hour and a half. And I just sat there listening to the Icelandic Angel and, um, yeah, he just, he just, uh, he howled for a while and there was a lot of really heavy, chunky bass and it took me to another place. It was pretty strange, uh, but it was great and it was free and I'm, I'm really glad that I decided to do it. My only complaint is that I had convinced myself entirely that Kanye was going to be there because... As you will hear in the episode that will follow after I shut up, um, I'm not the happiest with Kanye right now, and I'm not going to go into that because I talk about it in the podcast a little bit. But anyways, um, regardless of my feelings about what he's doing right now or whatever, at the end of the day, he's just a random dude. But he was in Detroit um, either yesterday or the day before because he's been coming to and from Detroit and Chicago, and he went to the Chrysler house, I found out. And I didn't know where that was, so I, I googled the Chrysler house, and I found out that it was a two-minute walk from the exhibit that I was at. So I thought, okay, hello. And then I look at the picture of him in Detroit, and there's this, uh, I don't know, an escalator, a suburban of some kind in the background, seeming like his car. And I look across the street from where Eric and I are, and I see the exact same car. So I'm sitting here for 20 minutes just eyeing this car, convincing myself what are the odds that 
I'm two minutes away from the building that he was in today or yesterday, and it's the same car. And then a couple of fellows walk out of the exhibit wearing brand new Yeezys. So I'm like, all right, where is he? And um, yeah, an older white male got out of the Escalator Suburban, which, you know, could be with the crew. I didn't know. Um, turned out it wasn't, I don't think, because Kanye did not end up being there. But there was a certain amount of time where I thought he was. So, uh, Kanye, when you hear this, let me know if you were in the area or not. And, um, you know, if you weren't, next time you're here, let's get let's get some drinks together. I think it'd be fun. <sighs> he actually went to the White House today and met with Trump and... Uh, I got to read the transcript still, but don't totally know how I feel about that. Um, I appreciate him saying love everyone, and I'm just going to leave it at that. And on to the task at hand. My guest for today is a lovely guy named Jansport J, who just released his album Low. And it's comprised of incredible, soulful samples and beats. And it's different from other beat tapes because this is a cohesive story and it it creates an entire mood and it requires a full listen from front to back. And I loved it a lot. And I'm really, really appreciative that I got to talk to him. So yeah, and again, I'm appreciative of being able to talk to anyone on this show because I'm just trying my best. And I've got some people coming up on the show that I'm really, really proud to have gotten the chance to talk to or will get to talk to. And I hope it goes somewhere. Um, I just want more people to, to listen. And and I'm just thankful that I, I get this platform to create a dialogue. And I appreciate anyone who listens. It, it means the world to me because... Um, It's difficult to convince myself that I'm not in a simulation and going insane and that uh, I'm leaving some sort of mark on the world. And I guess that's the goal, again, is to be forgotten. Um, To go as far into the future after death not being forgotten, I think, is the goal, at least with me. And maybe this is a start, and maybe in a couple hundred years, if I'm not immortal, people will listen to this and be like, huh, that 19-year-old fellow really opened my eyes to some things. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for listening. And here's my conversation with Jansport J. bit about low so low is my ninth instrumental album um worked on it for the past uh, who knows maybe year and a half something like that the hardest album for me to put together but it ended up being what i consider my my best work and my favorite so that's uh, awesome it's definitely a labor of love for sure it's very cohesive and i i like that because a lot of like beat tape albums aren't always like the same vibe or use like repetition of samples, you know, sometimes it's right. just completely random. So how did you like, how, how did you like actually make it? Like, did you go into it thinking all of these tracks are going to be for the album or did you just sort of make whatever and then pick apart what you felt made enough for an album? Well, the process usually it starts with me saying I want to make an album which I try and do once a year. So right. once I say I want to make an album, then I make a bunch of wax stuff for a couple of weeks <laughs> and I get super frustrated. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's really all about exercising. You know, you kind of have, have to work your way into a groove to figure out what you want to do. And you start with an idea of what you want this album to be. And as you create, things start coming together. Things start flowing together. A sound starts to come out. Um, different things start to pop out and that's when you kind of let the art take over. So I think you start intentionally with the whole, I want to make an album and it's Mm -hmm. going to be about this, this and that. 
and then you just have to go through the process and let it take you uh, wherever it goes. And uh, I appreciate you saying it's cohesive. That is one thing I really try and uh, hang my hat on. I feel like, you know, with beat tapes, my strength isn't putting, you know, 14 or 15 of the best beats on an album because I feel like there's so many amazing producers out right now. Mm-hmm. It's hard to stand out doing that. So, For sure, man. You I got your like own flavor. From, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I almost like, you know, approaching beat tapes like an artist having their own album. You know, I, I want there to be a theme to it. I want there to be a concept. And I really try and uh, go into a mode where I'm telling a story. And whether at the end of the day people hear dope beats, that's awesome. <laughs> people kind of pick up on the storyline. That's awesome, but I just know I need that inspiration. I need layers to it for me to create it. Yeah, I've always been about that. Like, I've I've never been able. I don't know. I can appreciate an album so much more when it's got like this whole vibe to it, instead of just like a bunch of singles that came out and then it's just kind of random. And it's like you put this thing out and like especially when, like I like how the artwork plays into it too. And it's it's especially since you have a physical release of it with the vinyl and stuff like. It's just something right. that you can hold and like it's a it's basically like a uh it's capturing like a moment in time when of like that thought process and stuff. And I always appreciate that when an album has like all of the ideas working together cuz you can definitely hear it whereas sometimes people just throw a bunch of random songs that they like, you know what I mean? Right. And and that's that's exactly what I I wanted it to be like you said, just this moment in time. I feel like this specific moment in time at least in my lifetime, I'm 32 years old. This is one of the most volatile kind of weird times I've ever experienced. Just really? Things that are going on in politics within you know, our social constructs. It's just, it almost feels like everything is falling apart, breaking apart to turn into something else. It's like a real time of transformation. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like, you know, once I have children and they grow up, they're going to ask me about this specific time. And, um, same way I asked my parents about the, the, you know, I guess like the 60s and 70s uh, counterculture and yeah. the black power movement and stuff like that. The same way I'm curious about that, I feel like my children are going to be curious about what we're going through right now. So I kind of approach this album as, you know, when they ask me that, I'll be able to play this album and say, this is, this is yeah. what your father felt like. You know, this is, For sure. this is the kind of things I was struggling with. And, you know, the real theme of the album is this kind of centers around James Baldwin uh, at the end just talking about the artist's uh, struggle for integrity. And it's yeah. really just about, like, what does an artist do in times of, you know, just craziness and nonsense, uh, it feels like. Do you do you use your art to kind of make a, a political stance and speak out, or do you use your art to escape all of it? Exactly. And, I know. That's always tough. I was actually talking to my friend today about that. Um, we're actually talking about Kanye and uh, how he's all over the wall right now and, like, the difficulty people have separating the music from the person and the music from the opinions. But like, that is a very good point. Like, what do you do? Do you use music as like a means of making something fun that can take your mind off of things? Or do you use it as like a therapy to better reflect what's happening? Like, I think, I think Kendrick with damn is like this incredible, like combination of the two that I think about a lot because he made a bunch of chart topping songs that are like fun and catchy, but like he's still talking about very real things and still right. saying very real things on it. And I think it's, it's definitely like a master. I, it's hard to wrap my mind around, but then again, like, especially with hip hop and like, it, it's a form of poetry in itself. So I feel like it started with, with speaking on issues and with bringing light to issues and with being able to provide a voice. So I don't know. I, I definitely like the side that you're going with, with making not necessarily a statement with what the music you're making is, but like we said, capturing a moment in time. Like I definitely appreciate that an album more than something that can just momentarily take your mind away from it. Cause then you're a part right. of that time, you know? Right. And even this album, it really fluctuates both ways because there's, there's those moments where there's tracks like white and uh, stuff like that where I kind of want to speak on what's going on. And yeah. at the same time, there's there's smoke with you, there's are you in love, there's like these other things that take me away from the reality of what's going on. So yeah, I really like, liked the description of the album about like the album being basically a trip into 
Yeah, you got me thinking. Like, because the album feels like it's like you're going into a dream state, but it still like throws those things in there. So you're still thinking about them, but it also takes you away for a moment. And so it's a very nice blend of like, you're ba- it basically feels like you're acknowledging the fact that you have the ability to like differentiate reality in, in the music. Th- that's, am- that's amazing that you said that because I think that's the real answer to all of this. It's like whatever side you fall on on, on what you want to do, the important thing is to acknowledge what's going on. I know. I I think it's like right now there's a lot of talk about um like this futuristic sort of like progressive thinking where we get to this like sort of utopia of pure equality and like it's really cool to talk about and think about but i'm in school so like especially talking about it every day it's it's like reckless to not acknowledge what's happening at least like it's good to provide solutions but like we can't I feel like we can't argue the fact that you have to acknowledge at least what's happening. Does that make sense? What I'm saying, right? Yeah, and that's that's a hundred. I mean, I don't like to speak too much on what Kanye is doing, um, but that's a lot of my issue with what he's yeah trying to exactly. Do. I think he's trying to preach a utopian um, a utopian society, and just he has these ideas that seem awesome. Yeah, um, he's I not know. Thinking through a lot of he's not thinking through what he's saying and how to get to that point. And the, the messages that he's trying to include in his message kind of ruins the whole thing. I know. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's like the, the lack of acknowledgement and like it was his lack of acknowledgement became clear as day when you say something like, you know, slavery sounded like a choice, whether it was jumbled or not with his wording, that's something that really doesn't come out. Right. So, I've, that's yeah. that's the dialogue I've been having with my friends for days now because like Kanye is my number one like they, that's always been my number one dude like that's my favorite music in the world that's just the best sounding music and I've always been able to like defend him and understand kind of where he's going but like right now I just feel like especially with a platform like his it's just irresponsible because like like you just said yeah he's saying some cool stuff like love everyone but like if if someone's a bad person or if someone's doing something wrong, like they still need to be taken accountable for that. Like you can't just pass over that and be like, no, love everybody. And like, that's what I feel like he's doing. And right. he's, he's skip he's skipping the actual parts of making that happen. He's just saying it. And it's, and, it's, and my, my, my real struggle with him at this moment is the things that he's saying seem nice. I don't know if he's saying that because he wants these things to actually happen or if he wants to be known as the person that helped make this happen. That's that a, makes yeah. sense. It's no, that like, makes perfect sense, you, man. Do you want things to be better, or do you want to be Steve Jobs who made things better? Do you want people to consider you to be Steve Jobs? That's, to me, and like I said, like I don't know anything. All I can do is judge and right. what feels sincere and what feels insincere. And to me right now, a lot of things that he's doing feels insincere to me. And um, just as a producer, like he's the soul sample producer. Kanye West is a huge influence on, on my career and mm-hmm. me listening to music outside of the hip hop genre. He's directly responsible, responsible for that him and Pharrell. But mm-hmm. there comes a point to where, you know, you should be able to separate the artist from the art. There are certain exceptions to me when people are so influential and they've kind of yeah, for sure. made their name off of blurring these lines. So at this point for me personally, I, I haven't listened to the last album. I'm not, Oh, you haven't listened to it. This, I haven't listened to it at all. Dang. Um, just when he took the the moment for me when he took the picture with uh, Lear Cohen and I can't remember the other guy, but and he had the MAGA hat on. That's when it felt like it was antagonizing. And I have no problem with people being Trump supporters. My best friend is actually a Trump supporter. Like I love him regardless. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when you're antagonizing, that's when it's different, and that's where I've kind of had to disconnect with him. And then it always goes it goes back to acknowledgement because like. I can acknowledge that maybe I'm being, um, I'm losing the word right now, but you know, maybe I'm not being rational about my not listening to him, but I also <laughs> know whenever I feel like it's just good to listen to him again, if I feel like, oh, it's cool, then right. I'll go ahead and do that. But as of right now, it's like, no, I can't, I can't really rock with that. Yeah, I feel you, man. It's like, I feel like he's, he's just, he acts like a kid to me, like, 
he just like the the hat like he's been wearing it the past couple of days and stuff on SNL and like he'll he'll yeah. say stuff and he'll be like I'm putting positive energy to it and it's like man what do you like what do you actually like think about what you're doing you can't just like I I can't really think of an analogy for it but it's like he's like the face of a product that doesn't exist like he's like saying all this but there's nothing like yes. to back it up and it, it's frustrating because like like he's a like I I think that he has some genuinely like good intentional ideas in him and he has said some things that are like powerful to me that i think are important but like he's just gone off the deep end of that and now he just talks and talks and it's like it just feels like a gimmick like what you're saying that that really shed light on how i feel about how he doesn't necessarily want that change but he wants to be the person that like said that change was going to happen first like i i definitely resonated with you saying that and he's just kind of going off and off and off and off now and it's like i don't know said it's just I, I can only speak for myself it feels insincere right now even yeah. when he did the apology and everything it just didn't feel right maybe everything will feel right one day and yeah it I'll just feels okay weird with listening to him again but um it's really just kind of sad to see as much as i can i try not to look at it or watch it because i feel like that's that's what's feeding into it yeah that's what like he wants he's, he's he's thirsty right now he, just, he is he, he needs that attention and he's somebody that's kind of struggling with the music scene kind of passing by him. I honestly, I think when you look at people like Kendrick and J. Cole and Drake, and even you know lower tiers that are doing well, like Logic and people like that, when mm-hmm. you see them kind of advancing and having more sales and getting some of that light. You know, for some people, that's it's hard to to deal with. At some point, you just kind of have to take a look at your back catalog and you know do all you can with that, and then just make music out of passion. But you're not going to be Jordan forever. Jordan was on the Wizards at some point. You know? like, <laughs> I got everybody's, you know, day in the sun ends at some point. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, this is the most musical Kanye year ever. And like, when he put out those five albums, and I, I will say I've listened to them an incredible amount. <laughs> that I'm not in the right. same place with that because like that's my dude. But like, these right. five albums that he put out with uh, Pusha T himself, um, Cuddy, Tiana Taylor, like they were awesome and. It was weird because he he got number one album in multiple places, but it's still like you feel this. He's you're right, like he's just not the same anymore. Like I still think he's known as a great, and he's always going to be known as a great. But like yeah. that core fan base that's at like like there's not going to be a graduation era again where like he's you know what I mean. Like he's always going to have it, and I feel like he's always at the top. But yeah, that's a really good point. And now he's like like Pablo is where he should be at. Like, Pablo wasn't the greatest album ever, but it was a good album. Right. And it's like, just continue to make stuff like that. But I think he's somebody that that wants to be at the top and is kind of going at crazy lengths to to have that notoriety again. I don't know. But like I said, I, I preface this way. I don't know anything. <laughs> I <can laughs> Me either. I know, I know. What I feel and what it looks like. I don't want to speak anybody else's life right yeah for sure and that's the thing it's it's that's that's another thing that i like to take into account is like we don't even know the dude like it's complete speculation you know like things could be completely different what's actually going on and what we see and that's what it's so frustrating is because it's like do we feed into it and try to make this person because like when you love someone's music like that for so long you feel like you have this connection with them and you have this like responsibility to like keep up on them and want to feel that they're okay and want to like vibe with them and be on the same wavelength because you love their music so much but then it's right. just like they're just a person and it's just all what you see in the media like you don't know that person you're probably never going to know that person like well enough to really feel it you know so it's a it's a really weird relationship and i'm always like why am i spending my time like even thinking about this <laughs> right but, yeah that's that's kind of what it boils down to for me at times it's like this has no effect on my life i haven't <laughs> met kanye yet so you know cross that bridge when i get to it <laughs> Yeah, let's talk more about your music because that's that's the shit. So appreciate it. Of course, man. Um, so tell me more about the story of Low, like what it is to you. Uh, well, yeah. So the album to me is really just uh, it's my expression of where I'm at. I think Kendrick, I can't remember the song, but he talks about being in the dead center, looking around, and I feel like specifically at this moment right now, being a black male in this society mm-hmm. there is a very unique perspective i have on what's going on around me you know and uh i felt like my art 
was my opportunity to, to speak out on it because I'm not a very boisterous person. I'm mm-hmm. you know, kind of quiet and reserved, but I can kind of put into the music, into sound clips, into titles that'll take you to a place to where you get a feel for what, for, you know, the way I'm feeling. Right. And uh, like I said, I feel like, you know, more so than ever right now, at least in my adult life, it's kind of like my responsibility on whatever scale I do it on to, to do that. You know, I grew up listening to Kanye West. I grew up listening to Tupac Shakur. I, these are people that kind of spoke on their times and their mm-hmm. origins of that period. And I think that's personally my one of my responsibilities in music. It's not everybody's. You know, some people are just supposed to make the fun music, and that's just as important yeah, for sure. as the people that need to document what's going on. So Yeah, I feel that. What do you... What do you feel? What do you, what do you actually feel like looking around at Trump as our president and police brutality and all these different different things that are happening? What is it that you actually feel? Do you feel a sense of like like just t- tell me how you feel about it? I'm curious because I I'd, I'd love to have that perspective. Yeah, I feel like um it's almost like when you're if you're in a store and you see somebody shoplifting and they're really bad at it <laughs> and like you're the one that sees it you're looking around like does nobody else see this like, it's like <laughs> this is cool this is what we're doing now we can just do this okay cool it's like i feel like with what's going on right now i every day i'm kind of like is everybody cool with this the the first thing that really kind of struck a chord in me was when uh trump was running and he proposed a muslim ban and mm-hmm. that's when I kind of felt like, you know, Trump running for president, we've always kind of had goofy candidates, like, whatever, this happens, yeah. you know, the primaries will finish out, you know, the the actual contenders will sort themselves out. Right. But when, you know, I had never seen anything that brash in my lifetime as far as, like, like, we need a Muslim ban, we have to protect our borders, and I'm just like, well, no, you can't say that, and... <laughs> Like, Islam is a religion of peace, and, like, you just sound crazy. And when it happened, it didn't seem like it was that outrageous. Like, there were people upset about it, Uh but everybody wasn't upset about it. Whether you, whatever feelings you have about Islam, which is, like, a whole other situation, Mm -hmm. like, you, common decency says you don't say stuff like that. So, when he got away with that, and then Charlottesville, there's actually, you know, production on this album specifically inspired by uh, i believe it was august 15th when he said you know in reactions to charlottesville there's mm. good people on both sides there's just a lot of moments like that to me where it's like does anybody see what's going on or you know the cases of police brutality where you know people are uh getting you know their charges dropped and stuff like that it's just a continuous like hey like okay at what point do do, do we kick in and like you know, we're America. Like, I know we're kind of fucked up, but at what point do we say, all right, hey, guys, like, that's enough. Like, we right. got to tighten up now. And I don't know when we're going to tighten up. So that's really, like... It's just a shit show right now. Yeah, it just feels like I continue to tell... Like, when I talk to my friends, I just tell people everything feels goofy right now. Yeah. And I'm almost just waiting until... Like I said, we weren't perfect before, but at the very least, I felt like there was some kind of order. You know, like, I, I lean a little left, um, mm-hmm. having Bush in office, obviously there's differences here and there in, like, my political ideology, yeah. but I felt like he was a decent man <laughs> at some point, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, not to make this just, like, a, a Trump-bashing thing, I think it's just a lot of things in our, our culture, period, and I think Trump is actually just, you know, he's just what's being thrown at the wall for all of us to see. He's kind of shedding light at a lot of the ugly stuff that we've had in America for, for sure. Decades. Yeah, you know, I like, that that's definitely a good perspective on it because it's like there's all the stuff we've always rambled about and talked about, but like he is like exhibit A front and center. Like yeah, and he's he's bringing it out and his base is bringing it out, and um, it's it's interesting because it's also good for a lot of white allies and you know allies of different cultures and backgrounds to see that this is actually a thing. Like when people talk about uh before they would talk about driving while black you know stuff like that Mm -hmm. it didn't seem real to people but when people hear my story about how i've been pulled over maybe like eight or nine times and like never gotten a ticket i've had 
my face shoved down the ground with undercover cops putting guns on me outside of a college. Really? Just to be embarrassed like that, and then for them to say it was a mistaken identity. But the, fr- Damn, the frustration man. that you live with in moments like that, that you kind of have to just carry and keep walking, and nobody really believes you. They think there's some kind of you know justification for what they had to do. Mm-hmm. All that's kind of coming to light because all the absurd stuff is happening now in broad daylight, and people are getting away with it. And a lot of the allies, a lot of people who are good people are seeing it now, and they're able to kind of stand alongside us and you know address a lot of these issues so that's you know it's it's brought out the worst in people there's also some good that is brought out um as far as like allowing people to see what's really going on out here yeah and we can't it all goes back to acknowledgement we can't really deal with these issues and get rid of them until we acknowledge them so maybe right now we're just in the country's in a state of acknowledgement right now like hey that whole racism thing that you know, we act at, we like to act like is you know, ancient history that my mom yeah. with is like a generation ago. <laughs> like, you know, my mom, I went to North Carolina a couple weeks ago and she was telling me about this was a black side of town, the segregated school that she went to in elementary school. Mm-hmm. That's my mom and I'm 32. Right. So it's not that that's far not away. at all. But that's all to say like, hey, like we have to like, we got to meet all this head on now. And I don't know what happens from it, but at least we're like in a state of acknowledgement. Yeah, for sure. And like what I fear is that a lot of people will get caught up in saying like, well, we're, we're past that. We're better than that. Like we're equal now. Let's stop talking about it. Let's drop it and move forward. You know what I mean? But like, I still feel like there's that need for this sort of uproar revolutionary talk right now. And it's, that's the main thing that I can say, because I'm, I'm a young white male. So I am in this strange area of just watching more than anything you know because i i just think so many things and i just want to learn i just want to soak it up and i just want to i just want to try to see everything that's going on you know what i mean and the thing that i've seen is that like people are saying this like let's just move on let's get over it but like it's it still needs to be discussed like that's it's still there are still places where it's just as bad as it always has been. Like we right. we can't just say let's move on, let's get over it. Like it's it's just that's my that's my question I guess I would pose to our state right now is like when is that moment of transition actually coming because I feel like for every everything that gets light shedded on it there's another person that's like regressing us and it's this weird it's this weird moment yeah. because I feel like we're at our most revolutionary and like ready to just like balls to the wall. Like here's what's happening. And there's just as many people that are coming out for the first time ever in droves of being just like in every sense of the word ignorant, not ignorant right. in, as an insult, but legitimately ignorant to the point where like a lot of minds are already made up. And so those voices are not progressing what needs to be progressed and it's this really weird dangerous area that i'm just sort of observing i kind of hope it's like the last gasp of racism the last gasp of sexism the like it's almost like the people who are still holding out to that are lashing out and they're being heard yeah and we're all going to realize how ridiculous that they sound Mm -hmm. and it gets dealt with and like i said i have no clue with how this gets dealt with i don't know how we move past i think it's always going to be there because that's what our country was mm-hmm. sexism and you know even like you said you it's interesting because you, you know you say you're a young white male and you're you're in a position where you have to like listen and observe and mm-hmm. we're all kind of in that in that space in a sense because as a man with the me too movement and everything that's going on now like yeah. we're in a space that we have to sit and and listen to the trauma that women have dealt with. And I've kind of seen it uh, from a certain perspective because I have two sisters and my mother, and like I was raised around a lot of women. And I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of kind of gross behavior, but it's like now it's important to, to listen and to observe and to understand that trauma. And before we can move on, it's like, okay, like let's let's talk about it, let's, let's address it, and let's figure out how to move forward. Because moving forward, I think is where that dialogue comes in to where it's like, okay, like these are the things that have been done to you, uh, whether it was by me or people of my kind or my likeness, you know, right. you apologize for it. I have a certain privilege that I didn't ask for, but I'm acknowledging the privilege I have. And so how do we move forward in respect and love and 
all that. I know. Like I took a U.S. race, I took a U.S. racial and cultural minorities class, and it was basically just talking about like discrimination against minorities throughout the U.S.'s history, starting in I think like the early 1800s. And I just listened and listened and listened, and that's probably the most important thing I learned is like I cannot be blind to this. Like I do not have the option if I want. Like I feel like to be decent, to be caring i have to listen i have to acknowledge it and there were so many examples we read about like young white males about my age like being told to check their privilege and stuff and then they would get into this discourse of like well i did like i didn't do anything you know what i mean like don't don't shame me for what people in my past have done and it's like no no man that's not the point the point is like it is your job right now to acknowledge what has happened and to acknowledge what is happening. You can't just turn a blind eye to it and like be mad for no reason. Like there's, there's justification in what's being said to you. Granted, some people go too far and they, I feel like, like we're, some some people use it as a crutch. Yeah. And we have a lot of Um, outrage right now and people don't really know how to like, there's a lot of lacking of positive discourse that really like hurts me to watch because I see a lot of interactions where people have the potential to come out stronger and smarter and with a new perspective and they don't because they just go into it so mad or they go into it so presumptuous and it's like, dang it, man, like that's not what we need. We need something more than that. And I guess that's like what I learned the most is that I just need to hear. I need to acknowledge like I can't just be like, no, 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 no. That's not how it is. This is how it is. Like we have to be completely open and hearing in every single situation, whether like you said, sexism or racism, like there's no area for doubt and for like, like it is the time for all to give the benefit of the doubt to all in terms of just hearing them. You know what I mean? And then from there we have to take the positive discourse and actually start to pick apart what's being said. If, if that makes sense. And I think it's also important. um, I just know from my personal feelings to be allies of one another. I think one of the most frustrating things, I can't speak for all black people or all young black males, but I think yeah. what frustrates me the most is a lot of times in these instances of police brutality, uh, not just white people, but I, I don't know how to, I guess this is a certain class situation and along some lines, racial, uh, racial lines, but there seems to be kind of quiet when it's clearly a case of police brutality. It's almost like, okay, well, we're not going to speak on this one. Mm-hmm. But when there's something else where the cop is found to have cause or something like that, it's like, you know what? The cops are, they're good guys. They're, you know, they're working hard. And right. you know, this is kind of like a byproduct. It's like, we need you to acknowledge that something is wrong. It would do a lot of good for great police officers to acknowledge that there's a problem in this country. Because we have amazing police officers. Like police work is, like it's an honorable job to you know, yeah. put yourself in the line of fire, but when you don't acknowledge the the plight that's going on, that's frustrating. And that's you know my my sister's uh, a lesbian, so mm-hmm. I actually DJ. She does podcasts, and uh, I DJ one of her events, and I just listen to everybody speak, mm-hmm. uh, mainly you know black lesbians, uh, LGBTQ community, and all that kind of stuff. And I just realized how important it is to listen and to be an ally and to speak out whenever I have the opportunity right. to let people know, like, if somebody says it's something ignorant, it's like, no, that's not cool. Like, this is actually how it is. Or yeah. just to stand up when you see something wrong. And it, it goes a long way for people to just kind of acknowledge your plight and to stand next to you. We don't have to sit exactly. here and talk about yes. it all day and be, be down about it because I'm not that type of person. I don't like a victim mindset. Right. At the same time, we're going to acknowledge what I'm up against and keep it moving. Exactly. We always got to keep it moving. It's got to be progressive. It, it shouldn't just be like a shaming or a attack or a like tisk, 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 like look what's been wrong. Like it should be, this is what is legitimately wrong. Here's how we can like work better on that. Like, I feel like if a lot of people just thought that way, it'd be a lot better. It's, it's hard to watch just, it's there's too much hatred there's just too much hatred and it's like no matter even if you're hating someone for even if the hate comes from like a warranted place if that makes sense like if if you're hating on something that's very powerful if someone's being very discriminatory and like you have hate for that sort of thing like that's still not going to be productive it's got to be a 
right. that you're exerting. So really, it's at your own detriment to hate anything. You know, if, yeah. if anything, what, what I really try to do personally for the things that are just kind of like annoy me or like bring me to that space, I just don't give it any energy because yeah. what am I going to do about it? Like, exactly. I, I have Donald Trump blogs on Twitter and, you know, as much as I can, I don't want to see or hear about it because it is what it is. And I'm not going to sit here and look for all the things to be mad about with him. I'm yeah. just going to try and get to 2020. And hopefully something else comes around. Right, man. But, you know, I'm not going to waste my energy on that. I'm going to be artistic. I'm going to put out an album called Low. I'm going to channel my feelings into that. I'm not going to give him that energy, you know, so. Yeah, for sure. It's just it's just feeding the bear. It's just not necessary. Right. All right, let's talk about something a little more upbeat. <laughs> All right, yeah. How do you feel about, hmm, how do you feel about, like, October? Do you get spooky? Do you like Halloween? holidays you know, i i love horror movies oh um, yeah i just realized i never put two and two together because i saw people celebrating that was october 1st and then i'm like oh yeah it's halloween month like <laughs> this is going to sound kind of nuts but like my favorite movie series ever are the the chucky movies really so <laughs> any chance i get to like watch all of those i can't say all of them i watch I really just watched one through three, uh, the first three, like the OGs that went up until like 94. <laughs> After that, it got really goofy and weird, but yeah, there every new one that comes out, I still watch just because like I feel a responsibility to do it, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, that's that's actually a very random fact about me. Like I know a stupid amount of uh, Chucky trivia. Drop some facts on me. It's, it's kind of, well, I know the chant that he does when he... Uh, he tries to turn Andy into a good guy. Dollars, Adelaide, point say, point say, Tim Block, give me the power. I beg of you. Um, <laughs> stuff like that. You got um, that tattooed somewhere or something? No, no, I don't. But I've seen it so many times. It's nuts. Like I, I know, I know Chucky too. Like the back of my hand It's pretty sick. It's disgusting. But it's it's damn near like I'm probably gonna watch it this week and coming up. Now that you brought it up, so I'm gonna have to give. Yeah. Him, I'm gonna have to watch him too. Yeah, to get this, yeah, one through three. Watch those three, and then if you're into it, go into the other ones just to kind of finish out the story. But the, the first three are like the essential ones. And then uh, Exorcist is cool. I'm not the biggest fan of it. I feel like the scariest movie ever is The Omen. Um, That's a yeah. That movie gets you. Yeah, the OG one with Gregory Peck. Yeah, I yeah. So, so yeah, I, I definitely uh, in October I, it's an excuse to watch my my scary movies. So for sure. Do you like doing yeah. anything for Halloween? I don't, ironically. Like, I do nothing for it but watch <laughs> movies. So, That's okay. Yeah, I can't even think of the last time I dressed up. I think in college I dressed up as the game. So oh, I had, like, a butterfly tattoo on my face and all sort of stuff. But, <laughs> but yeah. It was weird for me to stop dressing up. I think I... I don't know. It was strange. It was my first year of college and I was like, wait, I'm not, not doing this anymore? Like... No more than getting some candy. But then, I don't know. Like, I can't even mess with candy anymore that much. It's just oh, like, yes. it's just so I, strong. I, I go through my binges. I'm trying to do better. I think I eat a <laughs> lot of candy when I'm stressed or, like, when I'm running around a lot. So, I've noticed, like, the past week I have been. Yeah. So, I'm like, I got to knock that out. What kind I of candy gotta, you go for? Oh, uh, like, I'm I'm all over the place. Like, I just have some sour <laughs> straws. I like sour candy. Sour's the bomb, like, man. I love I it. I like sour candy. Snickers is always a good go-to. Um, yeah, but honestly, stuff that's sour, like sour gummy beer, sour worms, stuff like that. Have you ever had, uh, crybaby gum? It's like sour gum. They're little hard. Cry- yeah, they're little no, hard gumballs. I was actually thinking of the Big League Chew when you said that, but no, I haven't had crybaby We can gum. talk about some Big League Chew because that's my, <laughs> that was my jam. I used to play oh, yeah, baseball and I would just go off. I love me some Big League Chew. That's the whole era. We had the liquor store next to the video store. I would go and get the Big League Chew and some, what flavor? some Lucas candy and stuff. Oh, just a, I guess it was just the OG bubblegum one. It was oh, yeah. Crazy. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, run over to the video store and get, like, Beverly, what was it? Not Beverly Hills. It was, like, Teen Ninjas or something like that. <laughs> Three white kids that were, like, all ninjas or something like that. Yes. Oh, shit. I remember that. I yeah, do remember that. We would rent that all the time. That's awesome. Yeah, I would yeah. just destroy those packs. They're, they were too easy to eat. Like, it would not just be like, let me have some and nip on it for a yeah. bit. I would just smack the whole entire pouch in my mouth. 
Yeah, they had a lot of crazy candy for us. Uh, we had Raven's Revenge. We had just stuff that ended up getting banned later on. Why? What they were feeding us, so. <laughs> yeah. I used to go off on candy cigarettes. Those are my jam. I, rem- I remember seeing those. I would never get... I would get the fun dip, though. I feel like the fun <laughs> dip was similar to that. That's literally like the... I feel like that's the worst thing you can eat. You're literally just dipping yeah. a sugar they, stick into sugar. <laughs> yeah, they were giving us drugs down there. They wanted us to die. <laughs> It's insane. Yeah. So what other kind of movies do you like that are not Chucky? Um, outside of horror movies, uh, I guess I'm into documentaries, comedies. Okay. Um, I guess I watch a lot of stand-up, or I go through my phases. I want to say two years ago, I was working on I think, the Pharaoh album. I was watching a lot of like just classic stand-up, just like Patrice O'Neill, some Carlin stuff prior. Mm-hmm. Um Chappelle's my favorite ever, so I loved his uh, his recent ones he put out. Yeah, he's he just, can't lose he's, his form. I I really like. I have all the respect in the world for Eddie Murphy and uh, and Richard Pryor, and I understand like why different generations connected with them. Yeah, but I just feel like the things that Dave Chappelle says and the observations that he makes are he's just like the smartest and the funniest comedian ever and i like chris rock too but dave Chappelle is just he's my guy so dave's like transparent too like he just says what is yeah for sure yeah, and, and he's thoughtful and, I, and Chappelle's show came on when i was a sophomore in high school so that like, is that's like, one of the funniest shows like literally ever i could watch any episode anytime and it just we, it just kills me we were just talking about I said there's not one bad episode of Chappelle's show. Like whatever not one bad on, skit. You're going to sit and watch it. Do you have a favorite skit that you can think of from it? Oh, oh my God. I have an underrated skit. There's a uh, there's one of the when keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> and uh, I guess they're sitting there going over numbers in the boardroom or something like that. And oh, shit. I remember one that. One of the white guys goes, <laughs> give me five. For, like, you <laughs> I remember that. He just says, fuck you, Frank, give me five. I just completely lost it when he did that. God. I, re- I related to that experience in my high school and stuff like that. So I think that's an underrated one. Uh, obviously, I still remember seeing the first episode live. So when the Black White Supremacist came on, I just That's just too good. It. That's just too good. Yeah. Uh, Who else I is going to do something like that? Yeah, I think Tron pleading the fifth in court was hilarious. <laughs> There's All of them were just, they're nuts. He's just so, its it was just crazy how much talent was coming out of every single moment. And me and my manager were just talking about it, I want to say yesterday, the day before, just the the musical guests he had on there. Yeah. Kanye West's first TV performance was on that show. Right. And then they even took the version of, you know, him and Common doing the food. They put down the live album. And yeah. Saw Freeway. I know. And like, there was just so many amazing moments on that show. And that show was only, they barely got to that third season. Like, they started it. And then, and then he you know, just dipped. Yeah. So, it was just lightning in the bottle. It's amazing how good that was. Yeah. And even his little, like, like he just feels, like, effortless. I remember, um, I don't know why it just came to me, but... Shit, I can't. There were a couple skits where he would show like his actual kid. And I, yeah, I don't Nick know. Cannon Nick Cannon. Yeah, that's who he was yeah. talking about. Because the the son was like talking about Nick Cannon. Yeah, Nick Cannon's hilarious, daddy. <laughs> he said, <"Fuck> <laughs> yeah, <Cannon."> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shit, that was so funny. Oh my god, Wayne Brady is probably like the funniest shit I've ever that, seen. That one's amazing. But you know what? <laughs> Actually, like I think the funniest. The time I laughed the hardest at Dave Chappelle was, I think it's the For What Is Worth stand-up. Yeah. When he talks about, uh, he basically breaks down how scientists said that they think we got AIDS from men in Africa fucking monkeys. And then he just, he just, he just has his pause and he goes, word? And he just <laughs> describes how crazy and difficult it would be to catch a monkey and then to fuck it, and like just the process of it, that's when I was like, he's a, he's a genius, because yeah, you're not, a, a man is not going to be able to hold a monkey down and fuck a monkey, like that's, that's amazing that he thought of that, and like just working into a stand-up, so. I always, I love stand-up comedy, because I love hearing about how like, their process of just like, waking up in the middle of the night and just writing jokes, and just writing jokes, and writing jokes, 
because it's so much more than just like a punchline, especially when it's someone like him, because it's like watching a movie. Like it's crazy. They're just like every story is said with such charisma and like it just flows. Yeah. And it's just so good. And I think there's a real connection. You even see it now, just the way a lot of comedians and musicians stand next to each other. But I think there's a connection in the way stand-up comedy is kind of produced in the way that music is produced. I feel like the same way people kind of go out to open mics and try out new material, Mm -hmm. I'll go to a studio session and play beats or go to a a beat set and just play some beats and kind of gauge people's reactions and maybe go back and tweak something. Or if there's a, a beat that I didn't, think was anything and i'm seeing people's reactions to it and i'm like okay well i can actually work this into an album or right you know i can find where it fits and it's, it's a lot of trial and, and error and um uh, yeah it's, it's just really interesting so i i love like there was a whole period when i was just listening to all these comedian podcasts i was listening to nerdist and uh mm-hmm. you made it weird with pete holmes yeah and yeah even uh chelsea i'm forgetting her last name at the moment but um she's married to jordan pill or yeah jordan pill yeah what is her name because uh chelsea um, and i love her chelsea i know um, i know chelsea peretti chelsea peretti yeah she is um, hilarious yeah she's amazing but i just i really enjoyed listening to like the process for comedians as far as writing and how they put their sets together or even write a tv show like yeah just incorporating some of that into into what I do. I actually just like listening to anybody creative talk about their process because I like seeing people their eyes light up when they talk about what they love doing, and it, it inspires in a way. Even though it, it could be the most mundane thing. That's why I do my like, podcast, man. That's exactly yeah, why I do it. Yeah, it's like just to kind of hear what what makes people tick, and I love it. At some point, you're gonna kind of, you're gonna catch some gem that you can incorporate into your own process. Yeah, it, absolutely. That's kind of what I'm doing right now. Like, because I would say more than anything else, I'm like a writer. But since I'm so so young, I'm basically just using this as like, like I'm learning. I'm just like taking things and taking things, and it's crazy how much I've learned just from like chatting people up on the phone. And it's so cool. Right. There's so much to be received from just talking to people and it's awesome to get another layer to it definitely so one more thing before we go um how do you feel about live shows with your music it's interesting it's it's actually what i'm uh working on now Mm -hmm. uh just when you commit yourself to being a creative and uh, like for myself, being a music producer that wants to do more than just produce for artists. I want to have my own albums and stuff like that. You kind of have to challenge yourself to to stand out. You know, you can't mm-hmm. just be too regular. But at the same time, you have to do something that feels comfortable to you. So I think over the years, I've kind of like struggled with the idea of what kind of a beat set for the most part because at the end of the day i'm just making instrumentals i could throw remixes in there here and there but for the most part it's an instrumental how do i make a set that engages people that keeps them excited that's something that you would pay to go see but it's still me because i'm not um i'm not any of these djs that's gonna hop around and and clap and all that kind of stuff how do i maintain who i am Mm -hmm. still make something that's presentable to the people and i think i finally started cracking the code on what makes me me and that's going to have people interested in seeing the show and it's uh it's exciting so now it's just about the repetition of right of of what that is and you know it it includes projections it includes kind of a stoicism that actually is attractive to people Mm -hmm. where there's almost like a a sense of mystery yeah Uh, for sure you know in a weird way, I have this long beard that I grew a couple of years ago, and <laughs> a, lo- a lot of people early on told me I look like a pharaoh or some kind of, you know, <laughs> you know, something like that. And uh, it kind of played into my personality, and it's a nickname that I took on. So I kind of see myself as like, okay, like how would a pharaoh rock a beat set? You know, right? Like just yeah. To have a presence without being too busy. Yeah, and so that's sure. what we've kind of been nailing down over the past couple of years, and I finally feel like I've I'm nailing in on it. So now I just got to continue to do it, and it goes back to the stand up situation. It's like okay, now I think I have it. Go outside 
and uh and go do it go yeah. out to portland go to tucson arizona go to san diego you know go mm-hmm. across the water like but get those reps in and really tighten it up yeah there's for no sure, other man. way around it you have to get in front of people and and try it out so how'd your listening party go it was amazing um to be completely honest i didn't want to have one i don't like <laughs> doing stuff like that i uh I like to say I am a pessimist with uh, the work ethic of an optimist. <laughs> I don't think that people are going to come out, but I'm going to work right. towards it. So that's what I did. And an amazing amount of people came out and we sold out all the remaining albums that we had. At yeah, the shit. I got to get my hands on one. I was bummed out that they it's, sold out it's, online. It's crazy. It's like on eBay and like all these other sites now. I, yeah. It's nuts because we like... I should just say me because, I, like I said, I'm somewhat of a pessimist, even though I work towards good things happening. Right. Um, I was hoping to sell out within a month or two. And, you know, we pressed the 300 copies and they sold out the first day. That's so fucking now, awesome, man. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So now we're kind of like just looking at our options of what we want to do, if we want to leave it at that or if we want to do variations of stuff. But uh, it's, a, it's a great problem to have. I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, so, for sure, man. I'm, I'm just kind of going with it. Well, cool, man. It was really good talking to you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, for sure. If you uh, ever get out to Michigan, hit your boy up. <laughs> I, I definitely have to come. What, what part of Michigan are you in? I'm from I'm from Flint area, but right now I'm at college, so I'm living by like Detroit. So I'm at like the bottom of the state right now. So okay, but so I'm pretty accessible I, to like most areas that artists will come if they do come. You know. Well, I ask because when I initially, like the very beginning of putting my music online, um, the people who were supporting my music were just like a group of people out of Lansing. Lansing oh, really? Yeah, so I'm really I've close to Lansing. Had, like a connection to Michigan. Um, it was kids that went to Michigan State, and they were kind of pumping my music out there. And they that's dope. I didn't know that. Yeah, there ended up being writers that came from there, and artists, and like we've all kind of stayed in contact over the years. Hell but, yeah. I, yeah, I can honestly say, like, Lansing, Michigan were, like, some of my first fans outside of just, you know, the people in L.A. that might have known I was making music, so. That's cool, man. There's so, a there's and, a lot yeah, of really cool point, uh, venues in Lansing. So Yeah, at some point, I feel like I have to make my pilgrimage to, <laughs> to Michigan. And, yeah, I used to go to Cleveland every summer, so I'm oh, yeah. somewhat familiar with the Midwest area, but I haven't mm-hmm. made it to Michigan yet, so. Well, cool, man. I hope I, I hope I get to meet you someday. It was really nice talking to you. Likewise, man. Check out Jay's new album, Low, on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp. Bandcamp's got some vinyl and some merch on there. Here's a song from it called Baby.